the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Um, all we have been um, experiencing from the very beginning of the service is supposed to climax into spiritual realities, encounters, expressions, manifestations. In a service as this, you want to ensure that you are on the same page with God. This is not a service where you should be cajoled to do anything. You will know when you are supposed to lift your hands. You will know when you are supposed to pray out loud in tongues. You will know when you are supposed to lift your voice. This is not the kind of service where you have to be told what to do. You should be on the same page with the Spirit, on the same page. And you just know how to respond, how to react, to touch, to move. All of that establishes the operations of the Spirit. We would consider a few things from the Scriptures and then we'll give ourselves to a stronger atmosphere of the anointing of God. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1 to 8, Paul speaks about what we are going to discuss this morning. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking. Everybody says speaking. So you see that the foundation of this conversation is something that involves speaking. <laughs> we were trying to clarify the source of the speaking. That's why Paul had to address this. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's keep reading till verse. 11 there about 4 so one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills I'll be speaking on the favors of the Spirit the favors of the Spirit put your hand on your chest and say I am open to receive and demonstrate the favors of the Spirit 
Say it loud, I am open to receive and demonstrate the favors of the Spirit in Jesus' name. One of the basic proofs, fundamental evidence that we have been favored by God is that God gave us His Spirit. God gave us His Spirit as a witness, a confirmation, a proof that we are favored of God. So many Christians are still living in a sense of insecurity, doubting if God is favorable towards them. But listen to me, if you can confirm if God has given you His Spirit, that's a sure sign that you are favored of God. That God will pour into you His own essence, pour into you His own Spirit, is enough confirmation that you have been favored by God. You may not feel like it, you may not even know it, Sometimes you may even doubt it, but it does not change the truth that God has favored you. And one major proof of that favor is that He poured into you the indwelling Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 and 16, Apostle Paul communicating this concept says, We have not received the spirit of fear, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. So, we are not afraid. Some Christians are still afraid of going to hell. Some Christians are still terrified at the sight and the touch of God. Because they are not certain that God favors them. But according to scriptures, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But the spirit of adoption. And that spirit of adoption emphasizes or confirms the truth that we have been favored of God. That's why we have the audacity to say, Hapa Father. It's not something that anybody can see. It's not something anybody can experience. It's not a cheap reality that we can say, Habba Father. To describe God in an intimate way. Habba Father. Not just my God. Not just my Lord. But Habba Father. This is something that happens by the operation of the spirit of favor. If you are still doubting, listen to me, soak these scriptures in. What we have received is the spirit of adoption. It confirms that we are favored of God. God has called us, called us children. He says now, He bears witness with us that we are children of God. We are not enemies of God. We are not foes of God. We are His children. The spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are sons of God. Are we still together? So it's a fundamental proof that we are favored of God. You see, one of the earliest controversies in the early church was that they were not certain that God had begun to favor the Gentiles. The word Gentiles refers to those who are not Jewish, who did not come from Israel. And you see, there were many arguments. There was one in Acts chapter 11, just after Cornelius was converted and Peter preached with him and even hurt with him. There was another in Acts chapter 15. But this controversy was because many Jewish Christians believed that God was not favorable towards the Gentiles. That the favor of God was only applicable to the Jews. And that only them had the right to the favors of God. In dispelling the controversy, in settling the argument, Peter preached, uh, or he spoke to his fellow brethren. Acts chapter 15 and verse 8 to 9. He says, listen... Since God gave them the Holy Ghost 
just as he gave us. That means that God has already accepted them. If you want to be sure that God has accepted you, just check if you have the Holy Ghost. It's as simple as that. It's not an argument. There's no need for controversy. Once you are given the Holy Ghost, it's a permanent statement that says, I have accepted you. You are my beloved. You are my son and my daughter. God does not pour his spirit just on anything or to anyone. He gives only family members. Everybody say family members. <laughs> so Peter said, if God poured out his spirit just like he poured it upon us, why are we here arguing whether God has received them or not? Surely God has received them. And the proof is that he gave his spirit the same way he gave us his spirit. So, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is first for your personal welfare. You are favored of God, and because God wants to take care of you, He gave you His Spirit. Because your welfare is a concern to God, He gave you His Spirit. Because God has interest in how you fare, in the things that you go through in life, He gave you His Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus explaining the ministry of the Holy Ghost. He says, I will pray the Father, I will send you another comforter, the Spirit of truth, whom the Father will send. He will guide you, He will teach you, He will show you all things. So the Holy Spirit is given primarily for your welfare. The indwelling Spirit that you have received of God, that makes you say, Abba Father, is given for your welfare. God is concerned about you. He cares for you. And the best He could do was to give you His Spirit. To nourish you, to protect you, to provide for you. Everybody said the favors of the Spirit. So His presence in you is to teach you, to guide you, to protect you, to provide for you. But one of the other operations of the welfare package of the Holy Ghost is the activity of favor. The activity of favor in a man's life is an affirmation that the Holy Ghost is there and is working. It's working. <laughs> in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, in the early church, as, as soon as they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and subsequently several things happened, but you see that one of the things that happened to the early church was that they walked in favor amongst all men. They broke bread. They gave themselves to prayer, but there was an evidence of favor which affirmed the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherever the Holy Ghost is, you will see much favor. Everybody say favor. favor. You see, eh, if you check through the scriptures and examine the people who walked in favor, you would notice activities of the Holy Ghost. You will notice demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. You will notice operations of the Holy Ghost. Anybody you see working in favor, it can be traced to the activity and power and endowment of the Spirit of God. Joseph, we know he walked in favor. The Bible says that even in Potiphar's house, even in prison, Joseph was favored. But we also notice that the favor of Joseph didn't just stop at people liking him or showing him mercy. Joseph had certain operations of the spirit. For instance, he could interpret dreams. Are we still together? Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 verse 9, we are told clearly that he was favored. God gave him favor in the sight of the leaders of Babylon. 
But beyond just them liking him, you notice an activity of the Holy Ghost. He could interpret dreams. He could interpret words that are not even written in English. Strange languages. Not only could Daniel interpret dreams, he could tell you what you dreamt. The oppression of favor with the Holy Ghost. In First Samuel chapter 2, we read about the prophet, young prophet at that time, Samuel, that he grew in favor. But we know the man Samuel. It wasn't just that they liked him. The man had a supernatural ministry. The man Samuel. I love that man. In First Samuel chapter 19, <laughs> Saul was chasing after David. And David ran to the house of Saul, of Samuel rather. When he got there, David is everywhere that he was safe. Because Samuel had a particular temperature around his life. Everybody say temperature. Some people are temperatures in the realm of the spirit. If you're near them, you go burn. But Saul did not understand. He sent soldiers. He said, go and take that boy from the house of Samuel. The soldiers got there and started prophesying. Why would a soldier prophesy? Because he was in an environment where there were strong prophetic activities. Are we still together? Strong prophetic activities. Eventually Saul sent another batch of soldiers. Those ones got there too. Began to prophesy. Saul answered, I will go by myself. Oh! He went there. His own was different. He removed his clothes and prophesied all night. Everybody said temperature. The temperature of Samuel was not just about favor. It was certain activity of the spirit. He grew in favor meant he was growing in the influence of the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Jesus grew in favor. In wisdom. In stature. But we know that it was not just that the people were following him for nothing. There was an activity of the Holy Ghost that accompanied that favor. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good. Healing all that we were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. If Jesus was favored, if Jesus was expressing favor or experiencing favor, you can trace it to the power of the Spirit. Anyone who walked in favor, you notice it was because there was a strong demonstration of the Holy Ghost in their lives and in their ministries. The favor of the Holy Ghost, the favors of the Holy Ghost, is what gave men supernatural advantage. What we call favor, in a sense, is supernatural advantage. And it is as a result of the activity of the Holy Ghost. Supernatural advantage. Everybody says supernatural advantage. It's as a result of the activity of the Holy Ghost. For Joseph to survive in Egypt... For him to excel in Egypt, for Daniel to excel in Babylon, it wasn't just because they were liked. I mean, Daniel was going to be killed like every other wise man. His wisdom, natural wisdom, was not sufficient. It was the activity of the Holy Ghost that spared him, he and his friends. Anywhere you see favor working, you can trace it to the power and the activity of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now, the word. Favor, actually, like I taught you in previous weeks, refers to beauty, sweetness, loveliness. It is the Hebrew or the Greek, 
the Greek charis. It refers to sweetness. When we sing that song, what is it about you that makes you so sweet? That's what we're talking about. The favor of God. It refers to a beauty, a glory that makes you attractive. That word, favor. And it's the word, carries. But there's another dimension to that word. Favor means carries. But you see that favor and grace are often used interchangeably, as it were. Some versions will say that Noah found favor in the sight of God, according to Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Some other versions will say that Noah found grace in the sight of God. But you see that the word in the Greek is charis. It's used to describe favor. It's used to describe grace. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, what we see there is something close to charis, but it's a different dimension of charis. Remember that charis speaks about beauty, loveliness. So it says that the gifts of the Spirit are diverse. There are various gifts, but it is the same Spirit working. That word gift here is charisma. Everybody say charisma. A little bit different from charis. It's called charisma. But it's from the same root word. Grace, gift, favor. What we are saying here is that what you have received from the Holy Ghost is not just to beautify your life. There is a charisma that the Holy Ghost brings. Not just the charis. The charis brings beauty. Makes men to favor you. But beyond the charis, there is a charisma that comes with the Holy Ghost. Are we still together? Jesus operated in boats. Joseph operated in boats. Daniel operated in boats. Samuel operated in boats. You cannot just be content with the carries, the favor, the comeliness, the loveliness, the beauty. Meanwhile, there is another dimension. Charisma in the gift refers to supernatural ability. A divine empowerment that brings supernatural ability. You cannot talk about favor without emphasizing this truth. Charis doesn't stop at charis. It continues to charisma. Are we still together? So in first Corinthians 12, 4, it reads the charisma of the spirit differs. Various charismatic expressions which refers to the gifts of the spirit, which refers to the favors of the spirit. So when we talk about the favors of the spirit, we are actually talking about the gifts of the spirit. Everybody say the gifts of the spirit. The favors of the spirit. The supernatural ability of the spirit. Pray in the spirit for a few seconds here. Pray in the spirit. Abba. Pray loud. <laughs> Pray loud. Pray loud.
Lekete shitaramanuste grekete dosikatarapatash. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Le Krista naramanano sekete kopradash. Hallelujah. Everybody said the charisma of the Spirit. Say louder. The charisma of the Spirit. In a sense, the charis of the Spirit, or the charis of God, which is the favor of God, is a beautification. But I can tell you emphatically that there, is, seems, there seems to be a greater beautification that comes with the charisma of the Spirit. In other words, what will really distinguish you from unbelievers, listen, is when you begin to operate supernaturally. Daniel was a wise man, but there were other wise men. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Otherwise, man. <laughs> so, if Daniel stayed in natural wisdom, well, because what initially made him attractive was natural skills. They say, look for people that can learn this language, who are well dressed, well behaved. In a sense, they observed this natural activity and they brought him to the palace. But he did not stay in the palace because of natural wisdom. No. He had something that gave him an edge, an advantage. He had a subsequent decoration. It was charisma, not just charis. So on the day that the king would have killed all the wise men, it was charisma that separated Daniel, not charis. Are you following? There are evil days in this world where charis may not be enough to make you an exemption. Charisma must happen at that time. If charisma not happen, Daniel would have died with the other wise men. He had charis, but he needed charisma to survive. Joseph had charis. Charis made him loved by Potiphar, loved by the prince of the prison, or the leader of the prison. But it was charisma that brought him out of prison and put him in the palace. Do we get it? Certain promotion does not come by charis, it comes by charisma. So you have to contend for both. You have to experience both. He's still under the same reality of the Holy Ghost. Why settle for just one? What really separates the believer from unbelievers is charisma. Acts chapter 19, Apostle Paul met some Christians. He asked them, I don't even know why Paul would meet a Christian and ask. Maybe he just guessed from the way they were behaving, from the way they were looking, maybe they were depressed. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you got saved? They say we don't even know if there's anything called the Holy Ghost. Maybe the way they were behaving showed that there was no difference between this one and the unbeliever. There are many Christians like that have the indwelling spirit saved, converted, heaven bound, but there is no charismatic expression to affirm that this one is a supernatural being. Paul said, ah, What did you come here? They say, Now, baptism of John. Now, when I deal with sins, money. So he laid hands on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Charismatics began to flow from them, then they were truly different from others. Oh, the gospel has suffered because many times we do not put priority on charisma, we put priority on charis. We want the people to like us, favor in the sight of men, but we are not contending for supernatural, miraculous activity. We can have both. Are you listening to me? There are some things charisma will get you. Some other things not only charisma. Some things favor will get you. Some other things, the gift in terms of supernatural abilities of the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus didn't just stay with being supernaturally favored in the sight of men. He had supernatural abilities working on his behalf. Working for his ministry. That's a complete man. Ask your neighbor, are you complete? You must be complete. When the Holy Ghost came, it did not come in batches. However, there are certain of these realities that are not experienced until you emphasize them. You hear them. You teach about it. You pray about it. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, he was talking about supernatural ability. And you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are about nine things mentioned there. Charismatic theologians we like to call them the nine gifts of the Spirit. So one of people believe that there are other gifts of the Spirit that are not listed here. <laughs> but there are about nine of them. Prophecy, tongues, tongues there is special tongues, okay, not regular praying language. I will explain if I have time. Prophecy, special tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the working of miracles, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discernment of spirits. Everybody say prophecy. Diverse tongues. Interpretation of tongues. Gifts of healings. Workings of miracles. Gift of faith. Word of wisdom. Why are you sounding like you're hungry? Are you hungry? This is the easiest thing you will do. Or you want to take my part? You want to play my role? Word of faith? faith. No, sorry. Word of wisdom? Word of of knowledge? knowledge. Discernment of spirits? Alright. The first category are what you can call all trans gifts. They refer to the speakings of the spirits. Prophecy? Diverse kinds of tongues? And interpretation of tongues. They are under the classification of what is called all trans gifts. That is, the dominant expression of these gifts is by what you say. Everybody say all trans. The second category is what you call power gifts. It is referring to the doings of the spirits. The first one is the speakings of the spirits, the second one is the doings of the spirits. The gifts of healings. The workings of miracles, the gift of faith. The third category are revelational gifts or revelatory gifts. They reveal the showings of the spirits. So the spirit speaks, the spirit does, the spirit shows. Those refers to, or that refers to the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discernment of spirits. These are the gifts of the spirits, the favors of the spirits. That we are trying to consider this morning. Okay. Many times when we have this kind of conversation, many people say that these gifts have passed away and that they are no longer applicable to the modern church. One of the reasons why Christians fail to receive or operate in the gifts of the Spirit, the favors of the Spirit, is because of certain statements like this. They tell you that, well, that was only for the early church and that all of these gifts are no longer in operation. 
The logic is that the gifts were given to affirm the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And once that was no longer a controversy, the gifts were taken away. But it is not true. How do I know it is not true? One of the reasons the gift of the Spirit was given is to confirm the gospel. Everybody say confirm the gospel. One of the most audacious things Jesus said on the earth was that if you don't believe me for the words I say, believe me for the miracles I do. So if I say something and there's no power, don't believe me. I'm not a prophet. That's what Jesus said. If I attempt to heal somebody and the person is not well, don't believe me. I'm fake. And so, the gift of the Spirit is given to confirm that the gospel is accurate. That the gospel is true. Now let me ask you a question. Are we still preaching the gospel? So we always need confirmation. As long as the gospel is preached, the gift of the Spirit must also be given. To confirm the gospel. If we stop preaching the gospel, I know that the gift of the Spirit will no longer work in heaven. Why? Because we will no longer be preaching the gospel. But as long as the gospel is preached, the gift of the Spirit will be required, will be a necessity. There is too much preaching happening without charisma. That's why converts are not even certain. Should I come out? Should I give my life to Jesus or not? They are not certain. Because they hear so much preaching. Apostle Paul says, My preaching did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. First Corinthians 2, verse 3 and 4. If preaching happens without charisma, the effect is not too good. People may even agree with the message, but there will be no conviction. Are you listening to me? The first set of converts were converted not just because of charis, but charisma. Acts chapter 2. When they spoke in tongues, they spoke diverse kinds of tongues, languages. And people heard it and said, what is this? What is this? These people are not our villagers and they are speaking our language. And then Peter began to preach. Afterwards, 3,000 men were converted. Why? Charisma. Are we still together? Some of people believe that because the gifts are being abused, we should no longer crave it, desire it. Just because something is abused does not mean we should not use it well. There are many fake prophets around. That does not mean they are not true prophets. There are many fake prophecies. It does not mean they are not true prophecies. Stop focusing on the fake when you can have the original. Are you listening to me? I'm waiting for you to come and say, there are too many fake Nera notes. I'm not going to spend Nera again. I say, please, dash me out the one you have. I will spend it. If you say because there are fakes, you are not going to focus on the original and do the original, that's a very silly thing to say. Yes, there are fake. Many people fake some things and call it charisma. There are emotional razzmatazz that you can actually know is fake when you discern. And people can call it charisma and say it's the gift of the Spirit. I heard several things from some of the senior fathers of faith in this country in large meetings. Large meetings. Reverend John was there at the point, I think, that one man was going to prophesy. And you, you, when you, you know when you hear prophecy and you know that, ah, ah, the prophecy, no read Bible. I am the God of Abraham who was sent to deliver Moses from the house of Babylon. You know that, ah. And some people can do that. 
they can shh, I'm about to prophesy. Emi today, emi today, emi today. Hey, 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 hey. And when you hear what they are saying, you know this one is not Emi, it's a shoe. But it does not mean there are no authentic, genuine realities. Are we still together? So, if your own is that you feel that the gifts have expired, you see, to believe that the gift of the Spirit has expired is a slap on the intelligence and the ability of the Holy Ghost. How can the Holy Ghost be in us and He cannot do anything? What is now doing there? What's He doing? He doesn't do anything. He just stays there and He's looking. Okay, He beats you when you sin. That's all He will do. Huh. If the Holy Ghost is in you, He is in you as an able one. There are charismas He brings to your life. And that's what we want to explore this morning. Everybody say, the gifts of the Spirit. The favors of the Spirit. The charisma of the Spirit. So I want to teach you in some minutes how you can consistently operate in these realities. The charisma of the Spirit is not necessarily something you will receive. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have already received the charisma of the Spirit because the Holy Ghost does not come without abilities. There is nothing like a Christian who does not have any gift of the Spirit. But there are Christians who don't operate in the gift of the Spirit. So we want to teach you how you can consistently operate in them. The charisma of the Spirit is not just for decoration. It's for operation. It's for activity. So Paul will call it the demonstration of the Spirit. It has to involve some an action. He calls it the manifestation of the Spirit. It is for work. It is for service. It is to bless others. It is to be useful for, I mean, in society and those around you. By the charisma of the Spirit, Joseph preserved the generation. By the charisma of the Spirit, Daniel delivered Israel out of Babylonian captivity. By the charisma of the Spirit, Samuel could tell where the donkeys of Saul were. By the charisma of the Spirit, Jesus would heal the sick and cast out devils. It will be useless. You may be fine, no? But you will be useless if you don't walk in the charisma of the Spirit. Imagine Jesus just doing fine boy up and down. Fine boy, fine boy, fine boy. But when somebody is sick, he cannot do anything. He's looking. That's not a good thing to describe the Son of God. The Spirit came upon him, not just for carries, but for charisma. Everybody shouts, charisma! charisma! The first thing you need to consistently do, if you are going to operate in the charisma of the Spirit, is to accept the truth that Jesus is enough. Stop trying to earn the gift. Stop trying to buy the gift. Stop trying to purchase the gift. Stop trying to work for the gift. Accept the truth that Jesus is enough. Everybody say, Jesus is enough. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5, Apostle Paul was very angry and disappointed with the Galatian church because they were going back into legalistic reasoning. So he asked them, how can you begin in the spirit and be perfected in the flesh? The person who works miracles and ministers the spirit amongst you, does he do it by does he do it by keeping the law or by the hearing of faith? 
Now the phrase given of faith describes the reality of salvation. Receiving Jesus. Believing Jesus. And Paul was trying to teach the Galatian church that it is by believing in Jesus that you will be saved. It is also by believing in Jesus that you can work miracles and minister the Spirit. You don't buy the gift of God. That's why it's a favor gift. It can't be purchased. It is unmerited favor. It is the gift of God. In Acts chapter 8, a Christian convert who was not well educated was trying to do this thing. He saw Apostle Peter demonstrate the power of God and he said, give me also this gift. Take money. Give me this gift. And Peter said, that's not a good thing to do. You cannot buy the gift of God. It cannot be earned. When we talk about gift of the Spirit, many people disqualify themselves. I just got born again last month. Make the cement for my foundation dry first. And I'm still struggling with lots of things. Ah, don't talk about gift of the Spirit yet. Let me first perfect fruit of the Spirit. No. Why are you disqualifying yourself from something Jesus qualified you for? In Galatians 3.5, he says whoever ministers the Spirit, whoever works miracles, does it by the heaven of faith. The heaven of faith refers to believing in Jesus. Say this after me, I am qualified for the operations and the activities of the charisma of the Holy Ghost. I've always told you this. If you are qualified to host the Holy Ghost, you are qualified to demonstrate the gifts. The same way you are qualified to host him is the same way you are qualified to demonstrate him. That's the first thing. Stop trying to earn it. Stop thinking it's going to be by working hard. And convincing the Holy Ghost. Stop thinking it's going to wound me by begging him. No. There are dimensions of prayers that allows for more activities of the Holy Ghost. And I will soon teach you and show you. But first things first, believe that Jesus is enough. You see, it is because you are a member of the body of Christ. That's why charisma is an automatic birthright. No member of the body, your physical body, has to beg to be supplied blood and nourishment. No member of your physical body will beg. They don't have to even think about it. It's because they are part of the body. The blood will reach them. Except there is a sickness that stops the flow. But we get it. Once you come into the body, some things are automatic birthright. Even if you don't want, you have it. You have it. But to now operate actively in it, you have to accept this fact. That's why I like the song we sang. There is glory, mighty working power at work in me. When you accept the fact that that is who you are, then these things begin to operate more. Everybody say again, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Because you are a member of the body of Christ. Charisma dwells in you. The gift of the Spirit. To operate it, just be conscious of this fact. What do I need to do to operate in the gift of the Spirit? First of all, accept that Jesus is enough. Jesus has qualified you. Stop disqualifying yourself. 
It's called the favor of God. You cannot merit it. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, they already have it. The more you admit it, the more you acknowledge it, the more it becomes a reality. It's the inheritance of every member of the body of Christ. The second thing here, have a strong appetite and desire. Appetite, desire for spirituals. You have spiritual gifts because the Holy Ghost does not come empty-handed. However, to see it operate, to see it in full demonstrations, you need to have an appetite. Your appetite is what puts pressure for the release of the gifts. Your cravings, your desire. So in explaining the concept to the Corinthian church, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. Have a desire for it. In other words, have a desire for its activity. Have a desire for its demonstration. Have a desire for its manifestation. You know, we were praying on Friday just in this place and then one of the things we established that or one of the things we established is that the spiritual man desires spiritual realities. If I check your list, not the one you write with your hand, because if I ask you what is your prayer point, you may begin to go spiritual suddenly on me. And if you write, you say, I want the power of God. I want, but if I check your heart, without your permission, I just open your heart and check. Will I see a desire for the gift of the Spirit? Because the Holy Ghost is not a bully. You know, in Acts chapter 19, for those guys not to be able to speak in other tongues and prophesy, which means that they were weak in charisma, it was not because there was no Holy Ghost in them. They had the indwelling Spirit. That's an affirmation of being saved. They were favored of God. They had the indwelling spirits. But Paul had to ask them, now explain to them the importance of the operations of charisma before they will now open to the idea. So that's why we teach. Before we begin to activate and impact, we teach. What we do in teaching is to whet your appetite, to make you desire. There are too many things you can achieve with the charisma of the spirit that you are not doing anything about because you have little desire for it. When you desire it, it puts pressure to manifest. Listen, I don't believe that Daniel would have operated in certain measures of dreams and interpretation if there were no death threats. Are we still together? You know that the king dreamt and then he said, anybody that has not given interpretation will cut off their head. That puts pressure on Daniel. Oh boy, this thing must come out of we are not told before that time that Daniel was able to assess people's dreams. We knew he could give interpretation. But to assess that dimension, it was pressure that put it out. Are we still together? You know, one of the reasons why I believe that we don't have full expressions of the activities of the Holy Ghost is that the church is, is too comfortable. In Act 2, when they tarried for the power of the Spirit, it was a survival tarrying. If they didn't get it, they were going to die. They were going to die. It was survival time. Nobody needed to be encouraged. 120 people. Nobody needed to check attendance. This wasn't come. Everybody knew that this was what was fundamental to survive. If we don't get the Holy Ghost, error will cut off our head. So they waited. Christians have become too comfortable. That's why there are more supernatural operations 
amongst missionaries in risky environments. When it's a matter of life and death, and desires are strong, pressure makes it come. Are we still together? The Bible records a few times when the church was under pressure. In Acts chapter 12, I think, Peter was going to be killed. The church prayed. Come and see prayer. An angel was released to go and remove Peter from the jail. Because there was pressure. Many of us are too complacent with matters of the spirit. One of the reasons why Satan is fighting hard towards the secularization of the church is so that he can produce weak Christians. Christians who have no ability. No supernatural ability. They are fine, no? In fact, they are holy, but they cannot do anything. Are we still together? The secularization of the church emphasizes humanistic existence. Live to eat, to wear a fine suit, to marry, bump picking, and retire at 60. So, every church gathering, every prayer point, every breakthrough summit is narrowed at that angle. And Christians are increasing, but they are weak. Weak. Christians that cannot threaten Satan. Because it's more humanistic than charismatic. We just live like normal human beings. Focusing on what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will drive, what they will wear. Satan is okay with that kind of arrangement. Those things don't threaten him. But when, you see, the militant church, the victorious church, must be charismatic. I told you, the growth that happened in Acts was not just because of charisma, but charisma. Gifts of the Spirit. Miracles, signs and wonders. 3,000 were added. 5,000 were added. Because there were proofs that the gospel was true. Have a desire. Romans chapter 1, I think, and verse 11. Apostle Paul says, I hope to come to you so that I can impart to you some spiritual gifts. I hope to come to you. Now, that statement is a simple statement, but it tells us something. Okay, it says, I long to see you. What are you willing to do? Where are you willing to go so that the operations of the Spirit can flow? Paul says, I have certain desires for you. I long to see you. Not just because I want to have a catch-up on what has been happening with you. Not just because I want to have a fun event with you. But I want to impart some spiritual gifts. In this meeting, you should be coming to church with with the mindset of, I long to come to church so that... I can be impacted and activated in the dimensions of spiritual gifts. That's the attitude for this kind of service. Well, see, I'm not coming to you just to shake your hands. I'm not coming to you just because I've missed you. No, it gets on to where I won't activate spiritual gifts. If you come to church and this is not similar to why you are coming, coming to church to mark a religious attendance, register, Coming to church to fulfill our righteousness. This is why there is no strong oppressions. Desire must be full. You must desire it. You must long for it. The apostles waited to they received the power of the Spirit because it was important for them. They were not going to preach without it. They knew if they began to preach without that thing, it would backfire on them. 
It's by fire. Everybody shouts, Charisma. Charisma. The favors of the spirits, the gifts of the spirits. Secularization of the church and modern Christianity gives us what I call fake beauty. My suit is fine, the stage is fine, there are lights, there are smokes. Fake beauty. You know the real beauty? Charisma of the Spirit. That's what puts a distinction. Because every of these other things can be replicated in a nice club. Are you listening to me? A nice club can have, in fact, in better ways. What a nice club cannot have is the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, the charisma. That's one that cannot be there. Fake beauty. And Christians are comfortable with it. No. We must go back to desiring the spirituals. To long and pant after the things of the spirit. That the expressions of the spirit becomes dominant in our soul. That's what we long for. Long for it. Long for it. I grew up skipping meals. Reading books about the gift of the spirit. You will skip me. It's not that they will tell you to fast. You have no appetite for food. They won't tell you to fast. You listen to sermons on the gift of the spirit. You will forget that you have not eaten until 3 p.m. You will forget you have not eaten. Appetite. That's how it works. That's how it becomes operational. That's how it becomes consistent. Everybody say again, charisma. charisma. Number three. This is very important, please. If you are going to sustain the activities and demonstrations of the favors of the Spirit, do not despise prophecy and prophetic activities. Do not despise prophecy and prophetic activities. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 20, Paul says, despise not prophesying. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 5, Paul affirms that prophecy is greater than other dimensions of the gift of the Spirit. Why is that so? Why did Paul put an emphasis on prophecy? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, he spoke about the gift of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 13, he spoke about the love that facilitates the gift of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, he spoke about the superiority of prophecy. And the emphasis of prophecy. Are we still together? Why did Paul teach that prophecy was the biggest deal in terms of gift of the Spirit? Because almost all other gifts are activated by prophecy. Are we still together? The gift of the Spirit, nine of them, actually are dominantly activated by words. They are dominantly expressed by words. That's why even for revelatory gifts, it's called word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Are we still together? So if I have a revelation that there's somebody here who has an infirmity, and actually had that information, that revelation, there's somebody here who has an infirmity in their genitals. I was shown the picture. But to clear after today, to clear, it's a skin 
a skin peeling. That's the way it's clean. So it's, it's like this, the skin of the genital is peeling off. You will just notice that uh, it has cleared off. So now that that revelation I've, I've given now, it cannot benefit until I say it. Do we get it? So gift of the spirit. Although we have all trans gifts, power gifts, revelatory gifts, many of them flow by words. And prophecy here refers to something that is said by the inspiration of God. Something said by the inspiration of God. That's why we can call the Bible a prophetic book, because according to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, no scriptures of any private interpretation, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. Are we still together? It is by prophecy that all these other gifts are often activated. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. Paul said something very intriguing to Timothy. Told him to pay attention to the gift that is in him. And told him how this gift was deposited. It was given to you, everybody said by prophecy. That's how the gift was given. That's how the gift was established. For, you see, one of the things that Satan is majoring on is to abuse prophetic gifts. Because he knows if he can destroy the operations of prophecy, other gifts too will be dormant. So Satan specializes in raising false prophets so that you will hate the idea of prophecy. Can I can I when you watch that thing and you are angry and say, Oh, these persons are fake. Satan may be training you to despise prophecy. He knows that as long as prophecy is despised, there will be no activations of other gifts. Do you get the gist? But first Thessalonians 5:20 tells us, despise not prophecy. The prophecy may be awkward, the prophecy may not be too clear. The prophecy may not even be too accurate, but don't have a general disposition of despising the concept of the prophetic because other gifts are activated by prophecy. Activated. How do you think Jesus activated the disciples in the operations of the workings of miracles and the gifts of healings? He said to them, Go. Heal the sick. Cast out the was Insane go. He activated. How was Timothy activated? First Timothy 4.14. There was a prophetic word and a prophetic act. The laying of hands is also a prophetic act. It demonstrates the imputation and impartation of realities. If you look at it physically, you just see a hand on a hand on the head. But in the reality, it's actually a prophetic act that allows for transference. Prophetic actions and prophetic words. This is a prophetic atmosphere. So every word that will be said, you have to pay attention to it. Don't sleep on it. So Paul told Timothy, pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. Because there is a gift that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership or the presbytery, if you read the King James. Second Timothy one six 
Same sentiment here. Second Timothy, please. Paul, reminding Timothy of certain other things to do, he talked about in subsequent verses after now what he should do to maintain it. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power all over the sound mind. But once again, he begins the conversation by telling Timothy how the gift of God was established by a prophetic hand or a prophetic act, rather. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That prophetic act of laying hands. So, you see, Timothy received it from the presbytery. Paul was not the presbytery. Are we still together? But Timothy also received it from Paul. People have prayed for me before, and you will collect another one again. Because it is the accumulation of all these activations that allows for full expressions. Are we still together? Everybody said there's a gift of God in me. I will stir it up. There's a charisma of the Holy Ghost in me. I will demonstrate it. Okay? So don't trivialize words spoken in prophetic environments. I was telling you about the man called Samuel. The man was a temperature environment. If you come close to him, some things will be activated. People began to ask, is Saul also amongst the prophets? There are prophetic environments. In that kind of environment, it's high voltage. Everyone said, activate something, activate something, activate something. And such an environment, you have to pay attention. Because you don't know when your own word will come. It may not be the general word. There could be something that will be said that will apply only to you. Boom! And then it draws out the flow of charisma. Everybody say again, charisma. Point number four. We are talking about sustaining the activities of the favors of the Spirit. And we are commonly talking about the fourth point, which is to cultivate passion for edifying other people. Cultivate passion for edifying other people. I said earlier that the charisma of the Spirit, the favors of the Spirit, the grace of the Spirit is given. So bless others is given so that you can be useful. In First Corinthians 14, one of the reasons why Paul thought that prophecy is superior to tongues is because prophecy could edify more than tongues. And by tongues, I don't refer to the gift of the spirit called tongues. I refer to the private prayer language called tongues. Are we still together? What most of us speak is private prayer language. The one that says, no man understands what is said. However, in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. That's private prayer language. But there's something called gift of tongues. That one always comes either with an interpretation or with an empowerment. Such that somebody can operate in the gift of tongues and he says something, usually in a human language, that actually impacts power. But the other one is just a private prayer language 
participate between you and God. Are we still together? Now Paul teaches that we should convert prophecy and not just stay with tongues. Why? He says because with prophecy you can edify other believers more. So he said, for instance, that I can speak in tongues and I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, I would rather speak four words in understanding that the hearers will be edified. What he's referring to when he says four words in understanding is actually the dimension of prophecy called teaching prophecy. Speaking and teaching by the inspiration of God. It's similar to what I'm doing right now. This is a form of prophecy because I'm speaking by the inspiration of God. Are we together? Some of you, the only prophecy you know is there are four girls here. One wear green pants, the other one wear yellow pants. That's revelatory prophecy, that's true. But the emphasis in 1 Corinthians 14 was actually pulpit prophecy, which was given to teaching and edifying the saints. So you say, for instance, that prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3, prophecy is given for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. That prophecy is talking about there is actually talking about inspirational teaching. And he says that he prefers to do that one, even for five minutes, because that one will edify other believers more than him praying in tongues. Praying in tongues will edify himself, but edifying other believers, prophecy. Do we get that? What that means also is that if you have an overwhelming body and passion to edify others, you also put pressure on the gift of the Spirit to flow. If you are not really interested in being a blessing to others, if you are comfortable with coming to church and collecting blessings, that's all you want to do as a Christian. You come, you collect, you come, you collect, you go. You come, you collect, you go. We will not really see much of the charisma of the Spirit. We will not see much of it. Joseph's operations in charisma of the Spirit saved an entire nation. Jesus was using it to heal the sick and deliver the oppressed. Charisma is often for the benefit of others. We are too selfish. That's why the operations of charismatics are not really functional. We are too selfish. Modern Christianity is too selfish. Too selfish. The day we begin to say, I'm not going to just live for myself. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to touch other lives. Eh? People ask me, how do you always have something to write on Facebook? I say, it's easy now. I am always burdened for the people. Ha! When you usually get these things, you say, where do you get it from? I say, there's no special secret aside the fact that when I see people, my heart is moved with compassion. These people must learn, they must be taught. How do you preach 52 weeks? Sometimes, when I say Sundays, Fridays, don't you run out of inspiration? No, I can't run out of inspiration when I'm always burdened for the people. Jesus always had something to say. Why? He was always in love with the people. That's why in 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse teaches us how to experience the gifts of the Spirit. Put it in the last verse, 1 Corinthians 12, and then read subsequently into the last verse, please. Okay, but honestly, desire the best gifts. Here I show you a more excellent way. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. What is the more excellent way? Paul now begins to explain the concept of love, which is selflessness, which is taking care of others, which is being a blessing to others. That's the more excellent way. Are we together? This is the way charisma flows. The way of love. So he talked about all of this, all of this, and then he establishes in verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, all the things that love does in terms of selfless living, being a blessing to others. This is the way to charisma flow. 
Be burdened about people. Be burdened about people. Some of you are used to seeing, some of you grew up in houses, homes, society, where sickness and disease is just a regular thing. Some of you now are medical doctors or medical students, and you are used to death and disease and sickness. It doesn't move you again. Next. That's not how to live as a Christian. Even if you are a Christian doctor, that's how to do Let compassion. I was talking about this on my, on my Facebook page the other day. Some people have been analyzing the war between Russia and Ukraine, and they are talking about it as if it's a video game. Russia, my power, say! Ukraine, my power! Ah, it's not video game. People are really dying. There's a crisis happening. There are refugees. The way people are quick to lose compassion. Talk as though it's just kilo and bear. That's why there can be no full expressions of charisma. Are we still together? Yes, Have a burden for people. Be obsessed with being a blessing to others. A blessing to the body of Christ. I'm always, I'm always eager to bless others. I'm always eager. I'm always eager. Always eager. Don't be comfortable with just coming to church, collecting word, collecting song, collecting dance. You too, when will you be able to prophesy? Heal the sick. Interpret a tongue. Don't you want to be useful in this life? Of a woman. Are we useful? Listen to me. Some of you are thinking that the way to charisma is only focusing on spiritual service. See, eh? do you know that one of the best ways to focus on or to amplify spiritual gifts is to start with physical service? Are you listening to me? When I became a minister of the gospel, a full-time minister, the only assignment I was given was to wash my pastor's clothes. That's the only assignment they gave me. Nobody gave me a microphone. I will wash. You know when you wash and your knuckles are peeled off? Uh-huh. And my pastor had washing machine. But he just believed that if you, don't, if you are not faithful in physical things, who can commit to you spiritual things? You don't want to work, leave it. But nobody will give you a microphone. But as I was washing, something was entering my hand. Are you listening to me? One day he tested me, put dollars in his pocket. And after I see me forgot, forgot it. So I said, Ah, dollar, eh? How much is dollar to Nara now? I returned it to him. He said, Ah, you passed the test. I didn't know it was a test. But I proved myself faithful in physical things. Are you listening to me? So many people want to hold mic. They don't want to sweep floor. Mm-mm. Being a blessing, you can start from physical things. Start from there. What do you think the apostles were doing with Jesus before they were taught on how to operate in the gift of the Spirit? What do you think they were doing? Just helping him with simple things like administration. Tell the people to sit down. Oh, I'm not going to sit down. Oh, gather the basket of fish. Now they were doing physical things. But in doing that, they were serving. In serving, they were affirming their compassion for others. And the anointing was increasing. 
So when you see Peter, whose shadow was healing the sick, that's not how we started. We started from carrying basket of bread, giving people food. Jesus broke bread. That was in a physical job. But the anointing kept multiplying because he was cultivating compassion for others. Stop thinking only about what can I get, what can I get. Ask yourself, how can I be useful? The more useful you are in your mind, the more you have a passion to be useful, the more the charisma begins to flow. Are we still together? Shout it loud. Charisma! Pray in the Spirit for a few seconds. I'm about to say one last point. Pray in the Spirit. Pray loud. Pray loud. Pray fast. Pray hard. Pray with a desire. Stop praying like there's nothing at stake. Rabado sheketeko baradadas. Charisma. 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 Shiketekatakadabarakadabadas. Limbrando stakatariemba do sheketekele badadas. Lekete kombranda dadabada sekete kobarada badash. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Last point here. The gifts of the Spirit, the favors of the Spirit, the charisma of the Spirit, or like the way I was inspired to say it on Friday, the awoof of the Spirit is activated, sustained when you give yourself to fervent prayers. You give yourself to fervent prayers. So this is the way it is in my soul. This is the illustration that the Holy Ghost asked me to use. The favors of the Spirit, the charisma of the Spirit, is in a potential form. In you, it's in a potential form. What converts it to a kinetic form, however, is prayer. It's like having water in a frozen state. Water in a frozen state is ice. Is that not so? Prayer is the temperature that releases energy for mobility. And so when temperature begins to come upon ice, it breaks and begins to move into liquid. Is that not so? But if further temperature is added to that liquid, it begins to vaporize. So mobility is also intensified. It is in that mobility that is a release in energy. A release of energy. So, gifts are demands and inactive and potential in our lives. Prayer gives vitality to it and makes it flow freely. Prayer. If you see Jesus praying on the days, in the days of the sojourn on earth, it was because he knew that being the son of God was not enough. The gifts had to be released by the activity of prayer. Prayer. Much prayer. Fervent prayers. Much prayer. Fervent prayers. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. Much prayer. Anytime you see the feeling, the operation, the activity of the Spirit, you can also trace it to prayer. Acts 4 31. When they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit 
and spoke to the word of God with boldness. This was a follow-up of being filled with the Holy Ghost, which refers to activations and demonstrations of the power of the Spirit, but it can be traced to the fact that they prayed. They prayed. It's basic spiritual science. Every time we enter into that realm of raising the temperature, then the flow happens. So many gifts are clocked together, rusty, dormant. Last time it was used probably was when you were a teenager. Prayer would give mobility to it. Fervent prayers. Mobility to it. So that it now begins to flow freely. It won't be stuck. It won't be frozen. It will flow as liquid. It will vaporize. First Corinthians 14, 13. Look at this statement. Now, this statement is a very, very crucial theological statement. Even though I don't have time to explain the theology of it, and particularly how it answers lots of theological questions, but look at this statement here. In verse 13, Therefore, let him who speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. Now, if we read First Corinthians 12, where we read in the text, you notice that Paul says that the Spirit, put in verse 8, First Corinthians 12. Okay, go on to verse 9. I'll get to the point where it talks about. Um, keep, keep, keep going. Keep going. Okay, verse 11. It says, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Everybody say, as he wills. Some people have interpreted this and said, well, the Holy Ghost does not will to give me gift of the Spirit. And the answer is in the Bible. The Bible says that he gives it as he wills. It's not as I will. It's as he wills. And there's a theological debate in that direction. Now, But listen, if it is as he will, why did Paul say desire, spiritual gift, especially prophecy? Why did he say, if the Holy Ghost wills to give you prophecy, it will give you prophecy? Are you following my mind? What was the scripture again? First Corinthians 14, 13. Go back there. So Paul now says that if you speak in tongue, which is prayer, private prayer language, you can actually move on to the next level. Everybody say next level. And the next level is that you may interpret. The word interpret here is also a dimension of prophecy. Or it is receiving utterance in private prayer and those utterances are inspirational messages that you pass to people to edify them. Interpret. And it tells us the bridge between this tongue and interpretation. It says pray that you interpret. So you can pray that you interpret. You can pray that you prophesy. You can pray that you are in the gift of healings. You can pray that you have a word of wisdom. All of them can be prayed into reality. Stop saying, it is the Holy Ghost that did not give me. <laughs> Paul did not say, if the Holy Ghost feels like giving you, he will give you. He said, pray that you may interpret. It's a prayer issue. Are we still together? It's a prayer issue. Why there is no much charisma in the body of Christ today, there is little prayer, of course. And that's obvious. You can, you can go and check the prayer services happening in various churches and see how many people are there. There's little prayer. If there's little prayer, there'll be little charisma. Simple. Because this charisma flows by the heat of prayer. You put, you put, you raise the temperature. In that ice cold state, it's there, it's a reality, but it's not too useful. 
It is in prayer you raise the temple. It now begins to flow. It begins to flow. Men of charisma are men of prayer. Daniel, ah, his prayer life is on arrived. That man could pray. Kai, his prayer compared archangels to walk. What a man! So when you see gifts operating in him, it's not just because it's not a matter, it's not a matter of God like him. The man was given to prayer. He told his friends, let's go and pray or they will kill us. Let's go and pray. If we don't die the king is dream, let's go and pray. They went and prayed. The thing was there, but it was prayer that stirred it up. Are you getting it? It was there. Otherwise, Daniel had that capacity. But it was prayer that made it alive. All the things you see Jesus do in terms of demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, prayer was the temperature. From which he operated with. If he stopped praying, he will still be son of God. Yes. He will be a holy child of God. Yes. But there will be no much supernatural activity. Stand to your feet. Let me tell you what we will do. So that you don't um, lose track on the plan. We will pray shortly. And then we will affirm. We will affirm by singing the songers, Glory, Mighty, Walking Power, Walking. Then we will do a few other things. Some of them might be things you are not comfortable with. Listen. However, this is the only way this thing can freely flow. When I say not comfortable with, I'm not talking about anything outrageous. But there are some of you who have never really actively tried to demonstrate the favors of the Spirit. You cannot stay like this. Holy Ghost, touch me. Holy Ghost, touch me. Holy Ghost, move me. And expect anything to happen. Don't worry. If that's what you want to do, or just joke over. Ma In the raising of your hands, in the lifting of your voice, which demonstrates passion, that is when you exert pressure, raise temperatures that allows for the free flow. Do we understand? It's not a time to be looking. Some of you may need to walk around. Pant after the Lord. Some of you will have to pray out loud. I will not force you. I cannot force you. If I could, ah, I would have. But it is this thing that gets the job done. It's what gets the job done. It's what gets the job done. Afterwards, I would walk around, do some activations by presence and touches. Afterwards, you would also have to demonstrate faith by stretching out your hands to touching people. Some things do not flow just by all trans realms. If you don't touch, if you don't do certain things, some of you have never laid hands on any Christian before. Never laid hands on anybody before. It's not going to flow with that kind of attitude of being laid back, always on the receiving end. We told you, have a body to bless others. Some of you are going to hold your hands with somebody and pray. You don't like it. You just want to be, oh, no, no. This thing cannot flow like that too. People must be at the back of your mind. You must care for others. You must be willing to bless others, to pour out yourself into others. That's what makes it flow. Are you listening to me? 
there are certain operations of the spirit that will never happen to me if I do not move around, lay hands on people. There are things I will never activate, never operate, never. If I just stay and say, make a judge day like this, my own. <laughs> it's the intention to bless others that stays up the gift. Pray in the Holy Ghost for some minutes. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Father prayers, Father prayers, Father prayers. Raise the temperature. Raise the temperature. Put pressure on the roof of the spirit. trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.